Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Who doesn't love a good underdog story? I mean, we all do. We, we want the weak to beat the strong, right? We, we want the nerd to destroy the jock. We want to see the frog get the princes. That's what we want. We love the underdog stories. And one of my favorite underdog stories of all time is the story of Rocky Balboa. It just is. I don't know if it's his name or what, but, but Rocky Balboa, such a classic. The story of a man struggling to survive on the streets of Philadelphia, and, and he fights for a shot to win the heavyweight title. We want to see the little hobbits excel against all odds to protect the fate of Middle Earth. We like the underdog. We want to see Daniel, Rudiger, Rudy, we want to see him, the guy that dreamed of playing football at Notre Dame, when the odds were against him, his family was not rich, he was not a great athlete, he was plagued with dys dyslexia, so he wasn't smart enough to even attend that school, but you know that warm, fuzzy feeling that you have when you saw Rudy finally run out on that field and make a tackle for Notre Dame. Uh, Pastor Andrew still cries every time he watches this movie, and so um, he's not even sitting right here to defend himself. He's in the back of the room, there he is, and he admits it. So there we go. We watch the movies, we read the stories, all the while holding out hope that the weaker contestant is going to prevail, that they will win, that the underdog will, will prevail. And, and we like the underdog stories, but we seldom like being the underdog. That's what we don't like. We don't like the times in life when the odds are stacked against us. Because when the odds are stacked against us, we lose the hope that tells us that we can survive and that we can even thrive during moments like that. But church, I want to give you hope today. When, when you walk out of this room, by the time we exit this building, I want you to walk out of here with so much hope that even if you are the underdog or even if the odds are stacked against whatever situation you are facing right now in your life, I want you to have hope that you can not only survive, but you can thrive during this season. When Mandy and I and the kids first came to Newberry, we had a dream of what Destiny Community Church would look like. And I can promise you, it didn't look like this. It, it didn't. I pictured us starting off in, in a renovated storefront. In, instead, we got an old church building handed to us across the street that needed lots of repair. But I didn't picture us starting off in a, a little church building, a little a little building that would only seat 120 people. I pictured a, a larger staff and, and that that would happen fairly quick to help us carry the load. But instead, at the moment we were planning this church, the economy took a downturn and, and I was the only employee. It, it was possibly the worst possible time to plant a church in the United States of America. And the odds were against us. But there is one thing that I have figured out about God. That God loves impossible odds. It's like God thrives on impossible odds. Like he's looking forward to impossible odds. That when he sees his children and the odds are stacked against them, that that's kind of where God just like gets happy and like, 
this, this is what I've been waiting for. It's troubling to some of you that God will often put you in insurmountable circumstances on purpose. That God will put you in places like that intentionally and it messes with you because that doesn't seem very gracious. That doesn't seem very merciful. But I want you to understand God will allow you to go into seasons that, 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 uh, of insurmountable circumstances on purpose intentionally. And don't you for one moment flatter yourself because it's not that God sees your potential. Your potential is and always will be lacking. And the sooner that you re realize that, the sooner that you come to grips with that, the sooner that you can learn to lean on him and not your own understanding. God doesn't see your potential. He sees the potential of Christ in you. That's what God sees when he looks at your life. When others saw an old man who couldn't produce offspring, God saw the father of all nations in Abraham. When others saw an imprisoned, washed-up dreamer, God saw a political leader in Joseph. When others saw Moses as a middle-aged man that couldn't, could not speak with eloquence, God saw a liberator. When Eliab saw his little brother, David, as a young shepherd with a few sheep, God saw a king. When others saw Jeremiah as this basket of emotions, God saw a weeping prophet to the nation. And when everyone else saw Peter as a hot-tempered fisherman that liked to cuss, God saw him as a rock. And he said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's what God saw. And so maybe, maybe you're thinking to yourself, what do I have to offer just you. That's all he wants. That's all he's asking for. Because your potential is weak. But Christ through you is strong. When people thought that I had lost my mind trying to plant a church on Labor Day weekend 2006, what was I thinking? Labor Day weekend 2006, God looked ahead. When everyone else thought I was crazy, God looked ahead and he saw what is today a great community of believers that are making a difference for the kingdom of heaven. God saw people that would be healed spiritually, mentally, and physically along the way. God saw the marriages that have been restored and the hundreds, hundreds of unbelievers that have been saved and just seven this past Wednesday night in our youth ministry. The odds may have been against this church but if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? We've got everything that we need if God is on our side. But yet we find ourselves time and time again facing insurmountable circumstances. During a conversation with the staff the week before last, Pastor Andrew reminded me of the story of Gideon. And I was already working on this series, and trust me, every week of this series is not going to be like this, but it just came together so, so, so correctly and so right that when you look at the story in the life of Gideon, and when he said that, something leaped inside of me, and I haven't been the same since. I want you to turn with me to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6, as we look at the life of Gideon, Judges chapter 6, I'm going to read from a couple of chapters here, and, and if you'll just leave your Bible open for the remainder of this message, we'll get there. When I shut my Bible, you can shut your Bible. Is that fair? We'll get there. Judges 6, verse 11. 
Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. In other words, Gideon looked at God and said, God, I come from a weak family, and I'm the runt of the litter of that weak family. Why me? God, why? Why are you choosing me? I am not qualified for this. Some of you, you are going through circumstances right now in your life that they seem so overwhelming. And you're thinking, God, I am not qualified for this. God, I don't have the faith to walk through this. God, I'm not strong enough to go through what you are putting me through right now. But one thing you need to understand about Gideon is that his pedigree didn't matter to God. God could care less about how many battles he or his family had won in the past. God was probably more impressed with his, humi his humility and his lack of self-esteem. That's what impresses God. God did not choose him because he was the right man for the, for the job. God chose him because God is God and he doesn't have to explain himself to you. He doesn't have to explain himself to me. And the last time that I checked, he could care less about my opinion. He's not looking for my answers. All God is looking for is my availability. And that's all that God's looking for out of people. Is are you available to accomplish what I'm calling you to do? He's not asking you to be qualified. He's not asking you to be equipped. He's just wanting to know, are you available? And this is what I know, that God never stacks his team. God never stacks his team. Gideon starts with 32,000 men. He has 32,000 men in his army, and God tells him that is way too many. Judges chapter 7, verse 2. The Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. So, so he just went from 32,000 down to 10,000. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Take them down to the water and I will test them for you there. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink. 
And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouths, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men I lap, who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand. And let all the others go home, go every man to his home. So the people took provisions in their hands and their trumpets. And he sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, but retained the 300 men. And the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. According to Judges chapter 8, if you keep reading the story, the Midianite army numbered at least 135,000 warriors. 135,000. Even with his starting number, even with 32,000 men, they were drastically outnumbered, but the odds were still too good for God. So God dwindled them down. He intentionally pruned this army down to 10,000. And then, and then God handpicked Gideon's army, 300 men, 300 who were, who were able to fight, whose most distinguishing characteristic was not improving themselves as mighty men of valor, but that, that they drink water differently than the others. That's what qualified them, that they were drinking water different than the other people. And God says, that's exactly who I want to fight with you. From 32,000 men to 300, Gideon's army became only a fraction of what it had been. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. When you start playing this through in your mind and, and immediately you start picturing King Leonidas, Leonidas and, the, and the 300 Spartans. I mean, ripped, mean, vicious men able to conquer, Right? But Gideon was more like Leonard of the Big Bang Theory. That's, that's the Gideon we're talking about, the runt of the litter. And the odds were stacked against him. Now, now I'm not a gambling man. I, I've, I've played one lotto ticket in my life or lottery ticket in my life. It was the day I turned 18 and I said, if I don't win anything, I'll never play again. And so I, I was working at a grocery store and I went to the front counter and I bought me a lottery ticket, scratched it off. I didn't win a, a dime, not one dime. I've never played it since. So trust me, I am not a gambling man. Uh, just, it, it's, it's not for me. Now, if you are a gambling person and you're wondering if we will take the proceeds from that to build a church, absolutely. Try me, <laughs> test me in this. But just because I'm not a gambling man, I was able to figure up the odds here and the odds are 450 to 1. Midianites versus the Israelites. 450 to 1. That's 450 Midianite men to every one Israelite man. That means that for every one Israelite man, he is going to have to kill 450 of those men. I would say the odds are definitely stacked against them. And in life, we find ourselves in situations that we did not ask for. And, and sometimes it seems as though our situations go from bad to worse. That, that, that things just don't get better. They, they constantly get worse. It's like you're having a tough time making the mortgage payment and then you lose your job. Or you lose your best client. Your marriage is failing and your best friend will not pick up the phone or even return your calls. It's getting from bad to worse. Your self-confidence is shattered. And on the bathroom scales tell you that you weigh more than you ever had. It goes from bad to worse. Or how about this? You ready? 
You're already short-staffed and you lose another staff member on the week, two days before you're taking your daughter to college seven and a half hours away, just weeks before the biggest day of your church, the 10-year anniversary. Oh, I'm not preaching to you today. Just allow me to preach to myself for a few moments. Scripture said David encouraged himself in the Lord. Well, step back while Pastor Rocky encourages himself in the Lord also. When our situation goes from bad to worse, we have this tendency to always give Satan the credit. When we feel outnumbered, we always say it's Satan. When circumstances seem overwhelming, it's the enemy's fault. It's the devil. I just want to pose this question for you. What if God is allowing the odds to be stacked against you so that he can just show out? Because I've seen him do it. What if God is allowing you to go deeper into a circumstance that seems so insurmountable, but yet he is allowing you to do it just because he wants to prove that he is still God and that he's still on the throne? And it's at these moments that we catch the enemy off guard, completely off guard. Watch this, Judges chapter 7, verse 16. And he divided the 300 men into three companies and put trumpets into the hands of all of them and empty jars and with torches inside the jars. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me then blow the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch when they had just set the watch. And they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were, that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars. They held in their left hands the torches and in their right hands the trumpets to blow. And they cried out, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Every man stood in his place around the camp and, they, and all the army ran. They cried out and fled. When they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. I want you to get this. The enemy was completely caught off guard. And they self-destructed. The men that were with Gideon, they didn't even have to lift their sword. These men were killing each other. And those that remained, they just fled. They just took off. Church, when you don't understand God's methods, remember that Satan certainly doesn't. When you don't understand what God is doing, don't you believe for one moment that Satan understands what God is doing? And when the odds are stacked against you, Satan has been through history enough. He's got enough uh, history with God that he knows that when the odds are stacked against you, that if you can just hold on, if you can just believe that somehow, some way, God's going to bring you through it. Satan has been defeated time and time and time again. And the odds scare him when they're in his favor. Impossible odds set the stage for amazing miracles. God will devise a plan that will give him all of the glory so that no one can get the glory. Why did God dwindle down that army? He said, so that Israel can't boast, so that they can't say, look what we did. 
He said, I'm going to take your army down to 300 men. The odds are going to be stacked against you. But when that happens, nobody else can get the glory except for me. In Jeremiah 32 and 27, he says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? In Matthew 19 and 26, Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You see, you can't experience God's provision unless you have been in a completely hopeless situation. And unless you've been there, you've probably never experienced the fullness of God. But some of you in the room, you've been there. You know the hardships. You know when sickness hits your home or hits your family. You know when your finances just went kaput. You know exactly what it feels like when the odds are completely stacked against you. Against you. And today you are living and breathing and you are here in attendance to give God glory for it. So you know you have experienced what God does when the odds are stacked against you. It may only be 300, but little is much when God is in it. Amen? So, let me give you a state of the church address. Can I do that as I close this thing out? You ready? Our attendance right now is the largest that it has ever been. This church has been blessed by God. He adds to the church daily those who are being saved. That's his promise. And for some reason, and it's very humbling, but for some reason, God chose us. And he's been blessing us, and our church has been growing. And it is the largest that it has ever been numerically. But our staff is the smallest that it's been since 2008. Right now, today, in this moment. We're saving money on salaries, but it's good. We are nowhere near the salary cap. We are good, man. We've got some money to hire. We're, we're good. I'll tell you, this would be discouraging for most pastors. And if I was to sit down and look at this through the natural, it would look so overwhelming to me. But I'm reminded that God's greatest work is accomplished when we appear to be at our weakest. 2 Corinthians 12 and 10, Paul said, that is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Who's strong? The great I am. That when the odds are stacked against us, and our health, and our finances, and our occupations, when we are faced with insurmountable circumstances, we are at our very weakest that's when God is at his strongest and I don't know what you're going through I don't know what's happening right now and how it feels like the enemy 
has got you overpowered in whatever area it is. But here's what I know. With God, nothing is impossible. And God loves it when the odds are stacked against us. I picture God smiling over your situation right now. I know he's smiling over my situation right now. And he takes delight in his faithfulness and what he's about to do in your life. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church for life's journey.